Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Hello, uh, welcome back to Dig In. This week, we have Kathy Chang from uh, Next Intelligence. She's the founder and CEO. Um, and we are excited that today we're also going to be talking about AI again, um, specifically conversational AI and how that's affecting market research and um, sort of adding to the amazing research that some of, some of our clients are able to do. So Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Yeah, of course. Um, we're both based. We're both based in Toronto. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, it's nice to talk to a technology these days. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to talk to a fellow Torontonian. I'm hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, so I've been in the industry for a while. I actually started um, to be involved in in, in the industry as a simultaneous interpreter for focus groups when I was a student in university. So yeah, that was an intense but fun job for a student. I did that for a while. Upon graduation, I got a job offer from an ad agency and my mentor, um, I still believe she is one of the best qualitative moderators. Um, I told her that I, I was gonna go to take on the job and she said, no, 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 please. Um, I think you should be a moderator. So yeah, so then I just, um, I thought I decided um, I'll just be a moderator. Now, fast forward 20 plus years, I'm very, very grateful that she pointed me to this direction. I really do think this is a job that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's the bulk of my career for a while. I came to Canada um, about 20 years ago. After I came to Canada, I started to do more quant. So yeah, so I'm more like a hybrid kind of researcher. I do love both. Very cool. And when did you set up Next Intelligence? That was seven years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. Um, there was a very intriguing project. And also, uh, just at that time, almost like everything came together. I had the feeling that um, um, I wasn't very happy about the kind of quantitative research I was doing at that time. Okay. So yeah, some ideas all came together. Yes, um, that's the beginning of Next Intelligence. Very cool. And just for anyone who's not aware of Next Intelligence, um, how would you describe it? Like, how would you pitch it to me? We are a technology company. We build conversational AI. Um, we we say we build conversational AI solutions because uh, we have a platform that is powered by conversational AI, but it's not just the platform. We also have um, conversation as a service, like a microservices that can be used as plugin, um, like as an API um, to power other survey platforms. That is actually uh, a, the latest new development. Um, so yeah, it's a multiple um, microservices, but under the umbrella of conversational AI. Um, so that's, that's what we do. Okay. And to take this one step further, what is conversational AI? What does that mean to you? Conversational AI, um, is the AI that, um, uh, mimics human conversations, I'd say, um, especially in the context of market research. I think uh, AI used for conversation, that's probably not a new concept because we've had chatbots for customer service for a very long time now. But for market research, um, 
our purpose is slightly different. So at almost the opposite, chatbots right. for customer services, they're built to answer questions. While for us, our goal is just like moderators, um, our goal is uh, to be there to, to listen, to understand, to acknowledge, to build a report and to ask good questions. So that um, the ability um, to of asking good questions serves the purpose of building report because the other side of uh, the conversation, the participant uh, feels like someone is actively listening, um, is uh, they're understood. So that's engagement. At the same time, for researchers, obviously, we always want that deep, deep insight. So that uh, that ability helps us and gain that deeper insight. Now, in the context of AI, obviously, that deeper insight is made possible at scale. Very cool. I mean. That deeper insight piece makes me think of uh, what you said at the beginning, which is you're so happy that you went down this route of uh, qualitative research. What is, is it the the fact that you can get such deep insights through qual research? What is it about qualitative research that you really love? Yeah, I think initially I, I, I felt it was more about the thrill. Um, oh, the thrill. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I I think I, I probably spent too much time of my university years sitting in the back room of uh, focus groups. Um, but as you sat there doing the interpretation, a lot of times you just got really fascinated by some really good questions that the moderator was asking. You were just really sometimes surprised. How could, how could they um, direct people to that direction to get that really interesting insight? So, so that's that's one side, but there are there were other times you were sitting there just thinking, "I wish I was the person sitting in the front room. I would ask questions differently." Right. So yeah, that, that's interesting. Initially, I think it was that. So by the time I I got to do the job myself, I thought it's uh, it's actually much more challenging than you than just as an observer. But it it was very useful to have that vantage point. But after I did it for a while, I started to realize um, what's really interesting about this job is. Maybe because I've done this work for so long, I am convinced that in this world, there's probably no such thing as truth or false uh, or like what's really right or wrong. It's really just perspectives. So so almost like I feel like I get paid to hear different perspectives um, and to learn from people that I can relate to because they are, these are just normal, regular people. Just I, I honestly, I feel like I've learned so much more from my research participants than maybe biographies from celebrities, from like what soap to use to to life philosophies, for example. Yeah, so I think that's um, that's the that's the part that's really really um, um, useful and enlightening. That sounds like a job I would want to do. I, it's one of the reasons I love doing a podcast is because I get to chat to really interesting people on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, this is kind of taking us off piste a little bit, but is there any advice you can give people um, who maybe don't have a strong background in qualitative research or in moderation about how to ask the right questions um, to get interesting or relevant feedback? I mean, where do you start when you're trying to to create the right types of questions or the right type of environment for people to be honest? So, so that's actually a really good question because uh, we have to ask that question when we train our bot 
to ask questions. Right. Um, So we've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, That's definitely not an easy job. It's not like a customer service model. You can have a decision tree. Basically, you know what people will. Right. Like there are just this many information needs that people may have. There's like a specific number of jobs to be done, essentially, when it's customer service. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to qualitative research, the the fact that people are doing qual is because they don't know. It's exploratory. So it's really up to the asking part to do a good job, to to dig out the, the really useful information. So the guiding principles we've been using when we train our bot, really there are two things. One is, first of all, it needs to be on topic. It needs to be um, specific to the research objectives. These days, chatbots can do a lot. I mean, the, especially in the context of the past couple of weeks, the chat GPT really... Oh my gosh, it's taken the world by storm. I know, right? Yeah, it's exciting. But at the same time, um, we've been exploring chat, uh, GPT for a very long time. It's, it's the same exact exact challenge. It's It can do so much, but how can we make sure it does what exactly we want it to do? Um, it, same, we can use, use the same analogy as a moderator. I mean, so there are good moderators. There are not as good moderators. Sometimes the difference is really um, how they can ask the questions specific to the research objective in that moment. That is, that is critical. And um, I think the second thing is, um, this is, this is the first uh, guiding principle. The second guiding principle is empathy. Um, as a moderator, I think that building that rapport to make sure that people want to talk to you are able to talk to you. That is very important. Sometimes um, people may, may feel certain things may try to articulate, contribute, but it's just very difficult to articulate. Some of the deepest feelings, some of the, um, um, what we call the drivers, people may not be able to articulate. So it comes down right. to tools that we can use to uh, make it possible, uh, to make it enabling. So, so yeah, so these two things, I think it, probably they apply to human moderators as well. Essentially, if we could do these two things most of the time, we should probably be okay. And I feel like I've kind of buried the lead here, but when you say it probably applies to human moderators as well, um, with the conversational AI tool that you're building or that you've built, um, is it designed to replace human moderation? Um, how do you see it working with other elements of qual research? Um, I personally don't think qualitative research can ever be replaced, maybe because I'm just such a happy, proud quality. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there are elements. Um, so I, I think qual, there's a spectrum. So the, the, the type of qual that I'm very, very proud of that I do not believe can be replaced by AI is the deep core. Deep core involves not just a conversation, sometimes observation. Sometimes it's not just the conversation between you and me. Sometimes it, it requires stimulation. That's why there's there's focus groups. Um, it requires people talking to each other to constantly come up with new ideas. Um, it requires possibly to even live their lives. Uh, it, that's ethnography. So it's a lot more than just conversation. So right. that's the deep core. But 
On the other end of the spectrum, what we call light call, I think call also serves the purpose of just listening. Sometimes it's, it doesn't even have to be too deep, but it provides an opportunity for participants to voice their own opinions in their own words. Um, this versus quant, the difference is quant, we still call it voice of customer, but the way we collect the voice of customer is by providing some opinions to them, and then basically they check boxes. Right. Um, while call, the light side of the call, it provides the opportunity to um, for them to articulate their own voices. This type of call, it's already being replaced by technology. Um, there are call boards, right? And all the yeah. new like online video. communities. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, um, it's obvious that, uh, the scale is, is, is good, is helpful. Um, and then that's very in-depth kind of core, uh, techniques may not always be necessary. So, so this is the type of, uh, core I think could benefit a lot from conversational AI because conversational AI can actually bring some additional benefits to just listening because the, the essence of core is supposed to be two ways. It's a conversation, it's reciprocation. While the latest development of those listening type of call enabled by technology is almost like a lot of times going back to the one way. It's almost like a longer form of the survey. People can do their own work at their own pace. With conversational AI, we can actually enhance that experience to make that type of call even more cool. Interesting. I think the question, so I, that totally makes sense. And actually it makes me think about how things have moved and changed within the quant world. So that move to sort of digitizing quant um, happened maybe earlier on than, than qual because of what's been going on with AI and um, you know, just, it was a little bit easier to replicate a lot of the sort of in-person quant um, and move it more mobile friendly, move it more online. Um, but I'm wondering how do you see quant and qual working together in a platform um, like yours? Do you see them working together? Do you think that quant and qual should be merged for that like lighter qual aspect? What does that look like from your perspective? So this this uh, I think I've heard uh, qualitative depth at quantitative scale for a very long time now. So, okay. yeah, so it, it, it's clear that there probably is a place for this kind of hybrid uh, approach. I've heard skepticism as well at the same time. So I think the fact that um, we've been talking about it, possibly because two reasons. One is the industry has set up these two types, the two methodologies as two separate disciplines, possibly because of the availability of technologies. Um, there's quad, there's quant. But at the same time, we've been struggling for the longest time that quant is wonderful, but it doesn't have enough depth. Quant is wonderful, but it, it's sometimes not rigorous enough. So it's almost like we hear both sides of the voices all the time. But then the skepticism, I can understand that too. Because as a, again, as a qual person, I really, really don't like to say, our platform, for example, I, I really don't like people to think about us as a qualitative insight at a quantitative scale. 
Because okay. I don't think it's the same kind of qualitative insight. It is uh, it is more open-ended. It's more listening. It is more in-depth. But it's uh, like if we just lightly use a qualitative insight as if it's the same as the deep thought, it could confuse people. That's probably what the skepticism comes from. So I think as an industry, we should uh, do what we can to provide that benefit of the hybrid approach to more and more clients while managing that expectation to make it very clear that when we talk about that hybrid approach, what exactly is the type of uh, in-depth insight that we can get at scale? How is it different from real core? And what then is it hybrid? Is it a methodology that sits in between? Or is it, in our view, actually, we think, we still believe there is quant, it's just more like qual inspired or qual enhanced the quant. And then there's still qual, it's possibly like quant enhanced the qual, but they're kind of still a little different because the process can be different. Uh, how you recruit people can be different. So so I think, uh, yeah, th- this is a very intriguing topic. If we manage all the expectation properly, I believe more and more clients will benefit from um, a hybrid approach, either enhance the quant or enhance the core. So where does the conversational, the light qual or the conversational AI, where does that fit within the model you just described? Not the model, but the the two sort of sections. Where does that fit? Um, we... From our point of view, uh, currently we uh, focus very much on core inspired quant. Okay. It's more more in depth understanding um, at scale. Um, however, we also do use the same technology methodology for light core as well. When it's just more uh, dependent on the use case. Sometimes, if the universe is just so small, it's not simply not possible to have that scale or not beneficial. Mm. To have then we can easily pivot to a different process to make it more core-like, but with uh, some of the quant benefits added to it. So it's more fluid, but uh, at the moment, I think the most benefits we have seen is on the quant side because there are the benefits are pretty obvious. One, it builds that engagement because we we know that uh, in for quantitative survey, we've been talking about the quality of uh, responses for a while now. The industry has been working very hard uh, identifying bad respondents to kick out the bad respondents or robot respondents, for example. Yeah, we believe those are all necessary, but um, possibly um, sometimes we should probably should think maybe we should also try to provide a better experience for our participants so that it's not the respondents being bad, it's yeah. us whether we give them the best experience. Yeah. So so with conversational AI, um, it's two-way, it's conversational, it's more human. Um, that can help. And we've seen, we've seen enough evidence that helps a lot. And second, we can get the depth of information. And then we can get the speed. I should have said conversational AI, it does apply to to uh Two places. One is data collection, the whole conversation. Right. And then we also apply conversational AI um, on the back end as well. When we get so much uh, text data back, we need to find a way to to use it properly quickly. So that conversational AI does apply in text analytics to um, to kind of quickly um, summarize the key themes so that researchers don't have to go through. I will use transcripts, don't have to go through like transcripts, like hours 
and hours, days and sometimes days and weeks, really. So, so, so currently we see the most obvious use case application benefits. Um, they seem to lie more on the core side. Uh, core side, um, it could be beneficial for the light core. Right. I know that that's um, some of our analytics team at DIG. I know that they do quite a bit of work with AI um, to speed up some of the the quantum qualitative analysis on the back end. Um, so no, I I definitely understand where you're coming from there. I mean, this whole debate around qual and quant and, you know, where the industry is going and how we leverage AI within both of those types of research, it makes me think about, um, you know, I guess it was maybe it was more than 10 years ago, but this idea of different, so on the creative agency side, um, you had these specialized sort of like branding agencies, advertising agencies, UX agencies, um, campaign management agencies, and they all started to form sort of one mega agency, if you will. So they started to um, move together and say like, you know, we're specialists in all of these things. And it seems like, from a research agency or research specialism standpoint, um, it's the the waters are getting like more muddied. <laughs> that sounds like it's negative, but it's not. It's um they're sort of coming together to provide. So, for instance, with Dig, we started out purely quant, and now we have one of the biggest qual you know agencies in or qual sections or agencies in Canada, um, which is super exciting. But I think it's because people are really looking for that. They're looking for that like dual qual and quant. Like, as you said, they want the depth that you would get through qual for certain parts of their research needs, but they also want that scale that you would, that you would get through quant. Um, So yeah, as you were talking, I was just thinking, man, I wonder where the agency, sorry, where the agency landscape is, is sort of moving. Do you have an opinion on that? Like, as you think about building out next intelligence, um, do you have an opinion on where you think things are going to move? Um, I, I I think that is very exciting. Like um, your observation, I totally agree, agree with you. I think clients, their needs are multidimensional. Um, as an agency to best meet the client's needs, um, we gradually become multidimensional. So that's uh, that's natural and also that's uh, uh, client-centric. Um, so from our perspective, I can see that... Uh, Maybe I'll just use multimodality from the technology perspective. Um, this is happening as well. Um, we see, even though we focus very much on conversational AI, with the explosion of AI explosions, maybe I'll say, like basically, <laughs> aspect. Yeah, we probably can expect um, um, that multimodality to happen very, very soon. Right. So basically, as, as we talk about like a, in, in expert in terms of expertise, we as in one agency, we have both uh, core and quant. Um, in the future, in terms of technology, possibly within one solution or one agency, there will be m- many, many microservices. For example, there could be VR. This is what I've been educated by our CTO, Josh. Um, there could be VR, for example, then there is conversational services, then you really don't need a human to be there to kind of interpret, chat with the person. 
experiencing that. And then there, there's also services that can really read the content in the brain at the same time. So you get, you get the information, not just the articulated opinions, perspectives, but also the subconscious. How exciting is that? It's like, it's possible now. It's, just it's just happening so quickly mm. so i'm just trying to yeah i'm just thinking uh responding to the analogy of um the multidisciplinary um services that we could provide i think in terms of technology this is probably going to be the future as well that's a very good point i didn't even think about it in that in that in that way um but it totally makes sense you know we're exploring ai is all over the place everyone is talking about it we're exploring how that can be applied but i'm sure that they're so many other modalities that can be applied um, to the client needs that um, that we're meeting. So very interesting. Um, okay, I'm very conscious of time, and I want to ask you a couple of questions that we ask at the end of of every one of our podcasts. The first being, if you gained double your budget tomorrow as a business, what would you spend it on? As of today, I would say probably marketing. Um, okay. Yeah, we feel um, this is happening so quickly. Um, we have uh, really good things to offer to help clients. Um, it's uh, more about how to get more clients, uh, get to know us, to uh, benefit from uh, new technologies. So, yeah, that's probably the first thing we'll think about. Very cool. And then on the inverse, if you lost half of your budget, what would have to go? Mm, I certainly hope that's not going to happen. But yeah. <laughs> um, that I would say um, we have such a huge long list of uh, features to be added, like roadmap. It's, uh, right. it's very, very exciting. So I would think if we had to cut, we would have to be more disciplined what to focus on. I mean, this has happened. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. It just uh, makes you become more um, disciplined to really understand where the market is going and then to really focus on what you have to focus on. So yeah, that probably would be what we will have to do. And finally, um, to our listeners who are typically people who work in research, would you leave them with any advice? I think maybe human centricity is probably even more important than ever. It's interesting. I was just thinking as you were talking, Megan, I was thinking um, we are in the business of understanding. What we do really is to provide insight for clients to um, develop human-centered products, for example, to consumers. Research probably could use a lot of that human centricity as well to um, develop that research pro- uh, process or experiences um, the best it possibly can for humans and including participants, including research creators, users. Um, in the context of we're talking about AI today and everyone is talking about AI to, uh, these days. So I think uh, it's AI is really, really exciting. No doubt that AI will become more and more available and accessible mm. very soon. I think very soon we'll see it's not about what to develop, but rather how to package, how to use it. It's almost right. like we're actually submitting a paper to ACL, uh, one of the top tier um, NLP conferences, with uh, our academic advisor at uh, University of Waterloo on the topic of um, 
cost benefit trade off. So it's it's a matter of how to.、Um, it's almost like conjoint analysis, like we do、um, for like just daily pro- products. When AI becomes commodity, it becomes how can we package the product that is really useful, beneficial to our users?、Mm. Then it's it's human. It's about、um, we should probably switch our focus more on the human needs. AI will be there. Um, will be there will be a lot of attention, but what really will continue to make a difference is that human centricity. Yeah. So essentially, what you're saying is you need AI is so exciting, and people don't really know what to do with it to some extent. Like,、um, if you're just thinking of like the average person, it's like, oh wow, you know. For instance, I just keep seeing people. Um, creating AI versions of themselves on Instagram right now. There's like、uh, you're able to do that, and then、um, I was playing around with the OpenAPI chatbot,、um, asking it questions. Right now, it's like for the for the layperson, it's it's almost like a little gimmicky in the sense that you're thinking of like, oh, what are some like funny, cool, hilarious things I can do with this. But when we think about it in market research,、um, there's going to need to be a lot of sort of care taken to what actually is this useful for, and how do we package it in a way that demonstrates how useful it can be to、uh, to the research community, which totally makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's almost like you need a, a ton of product marketing, <laughs> a ton of product marketing to to figure out exactly. Where it gets used and and how and create some boundaries around that to make sure that it's high quality and、um, inputs and outputs. Yeah, the purpose, right? I mean, we can all have fun with some new AI developments. It is really fun,、um, but then when it comes to、uh, commercialization,、um, it's the purpose is、uh, how we can build things that can actually serve the purpose, and then that's where insight,、um, that's where that deeper understanding、um, really. That was great advice. So people need to think about human centricity.、Um, like they, they need you know AI is very exciting, but you always need to bring it back to the human and how we can actually apply it、um, in a way that's human centric. Yeah. 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 I would. I yeah. I think that's it, that. What you said it exactly.、Um, that's the that's the essence of it. I think yeah. Essentially. AI is here to. I don't know. I might be naive. It probably isn't going to be the case, but、uh, I still believe that AI is an assistant.、Um, at the end of the day, it's the human creativity that make the best use of AI. It's the understanding, human understanding of the purpose that、mm. makes it. So, so if、uh, if I could leave any final thoughts to the listeners, I would think、uh, our experience has been. That human centricity is so key to everything we do,、um, and then that's almost like the guiding principle. Every time, if we're too fascinated by certain technologies, we come back to think: Is this what we really need? Is this does this serve any specific purpose? Thank you so much, Kathy. That was very eloquently said.、Um, I am so happy I got to chat to you today. We are doing a ton of work、uh, internally on. AI and market research as well.、Um, we've just we've got a bunch of、uh, articles out on our blog, so please go check out our resources section.、Um, and yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that we can chat again in the coming months to talk about 
where things have progressed to. Yeah, I look forward to chatting more. This is such an exciting topic. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. See you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.